Hey guys, welcome back to the weekly Scrubbed In podcast. Um, we've taken a few weeks off, but we're back even better. And as promised, we've got a bunch of super exciting guests for you. People are doing really well in their careers, involved in startups, doing really awesome, cool things. So without further ado, today I'd like to, to introduce us to our first guest ever. Her name is Yasmin. A bit background about her is she's really cool. She's a final year medical student at UCL. However, the cool thing about her is she's taking a break and is doing a master's in computer science. Um, all right, all right, all right. Leave it there. You want me to stop? Now, yeah, stop. The <laughs> guest is sitting here with us. Um, Yasmin, Hello. lovely to meet you, first of all. Um, why don't we leave it to you? Tell us a little bit first. A bit about you. Sure. Um, so yeah, my name's Yasmin. Um, I've been at UCL now for five years, and last year I decided, okay, let's try something else this year. So I decided to do a master's in computer science. Um, so I've been involved in a few startups um, during medical school. I'm mm-hmm. still working on some now, um, and I'm also really passionate about kind of empowering women, supporting women. So I'm running some. Uh, I'm running a course called Emerging Women Leaders okay. um, with the medical school and I've also recently started a uh, group called Tech Muslimers which is aimed at Muslim women in tech. Sweet, sounds good. We'll give you all the links. That's quite a lot of things we're going to have to delve into yeah. for our viewers. But <laughs> we'll okay, give you all fine. the links to all of those in the description below so you can go and sign up um, and reach out to Yasmin if it is something you're interested in. Um, so taking it all the way straight to the back, um, so you started 18, 19, got into med school at what point did you feel, do you know what, let me delve into the world of tech? At what pivot moment, what kind of made you go down that route? Yeah, um, so like you said, I started medical school mm. at 18. And at a time, like all medical students, that was the best thing that ever happened. Um, that's your main goal, right? To mm. get into medical mm-hmm. school and you get in, you're like, yes, I made it. Mm. Um, so during medical school, to be honest, that was my sole focus. I was very, you know, studious, stay in the library, I'd want to do well. Um, and then it was only in my third year when I had my BSc year that I started kind of expanding. Um, and my BSc was in psychology mm-hmm. and I got involved with um, some projects with children and mm. visual neuroscience aspects. Um, so I had a module then which was called Brain in Action and we were studying kind of neural nets and then mm-hmm. we began to talk about, okay, this is artificial intelligence, there, there are neural networks that are based on how the brain works. So I guess that was my first introduction into the overlap between biology and technology. Um, and then I had a project which was doing a l- little bit of programming, It's probably the most boring language, yeah. something called MATLAB. <laughs> if anyone knows MATLAB, then they'll know it. <laughs> it can be a bit of a headache. Um, and then I was like, hey, okay, programming, hmm, interesting. So after my third year, I... So you enjoyed MATLAB? Um, at the time, no. Okay. I really didn't. But in hindsight, looks like you do. I st- so that was my introduction to programming. I was like, <laughs> okay, I want to kind of learn more. Okay. You know, when something's so challenging, you're like, hmm, yeah. what is what is this I'm doing? Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, I parked it for a bit, did my fourth year, and then during fifth year, um, I had a few friends actually who were getting involved with startups, mm. and they were working on a project, and um, they asked me to get involved. Um, so I did, and. One of the kind of barriers that we were facing was, okay, we have an idea. It was basically a project to help midwives collect data. And the issue was that we had to go find some engineers to build it. Mm -hmm. And that was a faff because (laughs) (laughs) it's really hard to headhunt if... So at this point, you were still a medic with no coding experience, no No software engineer. And the other 
people you're doing this starts with were they medics as well or were they they were medics but so they just had an idea medics. yeah okay. bunch of medics with an mm. idea cool and then frustrated because hey we want to build something that mm. we know would be useful mm. that there is demand for this mm. but we can't build it so what i wanted to do was find the skills to build it and we're so lucky that we're you know living in a digital age if you want to learn anything you can basically youtube it google it find a way oh my god <laughs> i said that in episode 1 people did you see that did you season 2 someone <laughs> is saying go. the same exact thing go. that's what i said so in this era right it's such a it's such a golden era to live in because 20 years ago in that short time uh, span 20 years ago if you wanted to learn all of this it was near impossible you needed a a teacher a tutor a course a university now you can literally grab a computer a laptop sit on youtube for hours on end and you can master it what do you think am i right completely right ah, awesome. completely right so awesome that you agree with that <laughs> awesome carry yeah, on carry it's on. A, it's a foot in the door and you can if there is something that you want to learn the mm. the most likely thing is that someone has been in your position and has tried as well mm. so there are so many resources and mm. I guess initially I was just overwhelmed with where to begin. Mm-hmm. Um but I did so what I was trying to build was a chatbot. Mm-hmm. So I did some courses on natural language processing and began to talk myself how to build a chatbot. Um and I also wanted to kind of learn the fundamentals of computer science. Mm. So to get that aspect Um Harvard actually have their computer science course online. It's mm-hmm, called mm-hmm. CS50 if anyone is interested and they basically record all their computer science lectures. Mm. Um put that online with problem sets that you can do in your own time. Mm-hmm. It takes about 12 weeks to do. Um and it teaches you the core information. So yep. that was my kind of basics and understanding of computer science and then I had kind of this specific natural language processing um aspect that I was learning as well. So I started playing around with this. This was early fifth year of medical mm-hmm. school. So that was my hobby when I okay. kind of used to come back from clinic. So how did you find? So by this time you've been a medical student for a fair few years. Yeah. How did you find the learning coding and language as to now learning anatomy? Like, was it a difficult transition, or do you feel the last few years in medical school where it's quite intense, you're learning a large amount of content? Did that help, or was there a bit of difficulty making that transition? Um so medics I think one of the best thing about medics mm. is that we're hard working mm. and we have that problem solving ability naturally. So I felt there was some kind of similarities in that sense because computer mm-hmm. science the fundamentals is always about problem solving and getting mm. get break taking a problem and breaking it down into the most simplest possible way. Mm. Computers run on ones and zeros so you need to break everything down into into that. And medicine kind of taught me that ability to for example, you know, if you're looking at the heart, you want to structure it into mm-hmm. say arteries, veins, mm-hmm. you, you know, you divide it into chambers and then you focus on one chamber and okay, maybe some valve in there is mm. is is uh broken. Um so in a similar way, that's what you're doing. So I found that those skills were quite helpful. Yeah. But it's still a steep learning curve because um it's just a whole new world and there there are a whole new world of acronyms that you have to learn as well oh, like there isn't enough in terms of medical jargon so the best one we learned was what why is do it you know, do you remember mr s and doms no do you remember that why is it aortic regurgitation yeah, and mitosynesis mr s so mr and as are mm. systolic murmurs and doms diastolic are ar and MS MS fine so nice. we went off topic nice. <laughs> so all the medics Back to the I feel day. like in this in this topic or discussion we're fighting between the world of tech and the world of <laughs> medicine. medicine so obviously we're know. you know second year as junior doctors and you're you're a medic but I haven't even made it as a so doctor so main question are you a medic first or are you a 
Yeah, sometimes we're confused though. What, right what would you say? You're, Ooh. You have to pick one. Oh, do I have to pick one? So we can offer you any job right now. Imagine this, right? You yeah. can pick any job you like. Mm. A medical job or a job in the tech world. Gosh, is this going to come back to bite me in the future? <laughs> <laughs> we will delete this if that happens. Oh. Ooh, ooh. Um, wow, okay. If I had to answer that question now, mm-hmm. if I'm completely honest, it would be tech with a focus on healthcare. Fine. Because okay. I feel like tech gives you a platform mm-hmm. and something that I really enjoy doing to mm. affect healthcare in many different ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. And to build on that point, I remember um, I was sitting with, I don't know if you know, Professor Tony Young, who kind of does the Clinical Entrepreneur Program, and mm. was talking, and he was, as a doctor, you have impact. So you can treat about 30, 40 people on a, on a ward, but it's only when you start encompassing tech and start creating these platforms and startups and this app where now you're not only helping 30 people, you can help 300, 3,000, 300,000. So I think yeah. tech is an extension of what we do as medics and the impact is far greater than what you do on a normal day-to-day world. So I do feel you and I do understand where you're coming from. I think that it feels like an emerge. I think it's natural. There, yeah, there isn't even kind of a defined role yet, but I mm. feel like doctors and engineers, um, mm. people who are technical are gonna slowly mm. come together and that's gonna mm. be a, a role in the yeah. future. So, that kind of brings us to a next question, which I've kind of given a lot of thoughts about. Um, and I've also been in a similar situation to you where we've had really good ideas, even me and Ams, and to kind of make that a reality, to kind of bring it alive, you needed someone with a software background, right? And there's this discrepancy of I as a medic, you know, me saying BP, blood pressure, whatever, certain things don't translate as easily to a tech person. What advantages would you say you found to be someone that can code, can do software engineering, with a medic background? Um, that is a great question and already I've noticed mm. lots of advantages. Um, so currently with my masters at UCL, I'm actually working with- Hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> so we're, our viewers oh, are gonna leaked. be confused now, okay? <laughs> okay. So you need, what, are you a medic? Are you are you should, doing a master's? Should I skip, going should on? I uh, resume the story? I'll quickly skip to the bit where I got to a master's. Yeah. <laughs> Tell us a little bit yeah. about that. <laughs> so when I was doing the kind of online courses, mm. um, I realized, okay, this is really, really fun. And mm. I actually really want to dedicate a whole year to do this because mm-hmm. the little time that I have outside clinics and fifth year and exams, et cetera, isn't enough. And I just want to immerse myself completely. So in a um, in March, April time, I was like, hmm, let's apply for a master's at UCL. <laughs> Bear in mind, you've already done it BSc before. Is this in final year you did all of this? This is in fifth year, so in my penultimate year. year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my yeah. God, okay, fine. So you decided to take a whole year out. Okay, mm-hmm. how did, okay, so coming from the background that we're from, you're obviously Bengali. I am. Um, family and all of that around you, how did they oh, receive that? My mom was like, what? <laughs> More studying? <laughs> Get a job. <laughs> yeah, that's the response Ooh. usually. And then I was like, hmm, but mom, okay, long term, future vision. Mm, yeah. This will hopefully be beneficial. And you know what? Six years, seven years, it doesn't. <laughs> to be fair, in the grand scheme of stuff, you're in medical for so long. What's yeah. a year here, two decades? Well, you know, it doesn't make a exactly. difference. I thought the BSc year was a good year just to give our parents a good, something to celebrate because it's so long. And you yeah, get a little graduation. You, you get, get, you get graduation. a taster. Yeah. But the problem <laughs> the is. If you're like my parents and you tell them about this graduation, they think you became a doctor. They don't kind of understand that concept. You've taken a break. You're doing something completely different. You're having a graduation, but then you're still not a doctor. You've still got another few years. So they could have had And to be fair, my friends didn't even turn up to my graduation. <laughs> Do you remember? Yeah. Yeah, they um, didn't turn oh up. Oh, no. Fine. They called me. It's I'm, like, it's all right. I'm here for you. Fine. I'm here for you. All right, so let's continue with your story. Yes, uh, where was I? So, yeah, April... Um, 
apply for a computer science master's. Mm -hmm. So I went for it and I, you know, kind of moonshot. I didn't know whether I was going to get accepted. It's quite a competitive program, but I was lucky enough to, to get on the on the master's. Mm. So I was like, yes, okay. A full year dedicated. I'm going to learn everything from scratch. Mm. I'm going to work on projects. Um, so that's kind of hopefully caught everyone up. Mm. And then back to your question about um, the advantages that having a medic has with the engineers. Um, so UCL is really cool because we've got lots of connections here with hospitals. Mm. We've got UCLH just literally around the corner. We've also got GOSH, which mm. is Great Ormond Street Hospital, the paediatric hospital mm. um, around the other corner. Yeah. Um, and UCL have built up kind of connections with them. So they have something called um, the IXN, which is the Industry Exchange Network, which partners with GOSH um, and UCLH doctors. And the mm -hmm. doctors basically propose projects for their students to do. Um, and Great Ormond Street Hospital also has something called Gosh Drive, which is their dedicated kind of digital network to come up with innovative solutions. Mm -hmm. So all of the master's students, mm. computer science master's students, the majority of the projects they do are healthcare focused. Ah, oh, awesome. That so great. yeah, now me coming in, um, I can speak to the clinicians and I can understand exactly what they're coming, what yeah, yeah, yeah. the background, the problems that they're coming from. Because you can bridge the two, isn't it? You yeah. bridge across. Awesome. And actually, it's been really cool because I've had the opportunity to speak to a lot of my peers and mm -hmm. other people in my course. And mm. even some, actually just on Monday, I was speaking to some second year undergraduates and they're working on a really cool project. It was very futuristic. It was mm. like a glass um, that they're wanting to put over the patient's bed and then the scans are projected onto the glass. Okay. So they were confused about, okay, what would doctors need to view? You know, like when they're talking about patients, what do they need to see? Okay. So I came to them and I was like, okay, so there's different contexts where a doctor meets a patient. You've got ward rounds, mm -hmm. you've got um, kind of MDT meetings where they need to see patient details. Um, mm. It might be in a GP consultation as well. So I kind of broke it down into those. But if you're not a medic, you'll never know that, okay, a ward round is really, really fast. You need to see their vitals, you True. need their news charts, exactly. et cetera. Yeah. And they were like, ooh, okay. So we can put, you know, heart rate, blood pressure on the screen as well. And I was yeah. like, yes, that'd be fantastic. Mm. We could put drug lists and medications and allergies. I'd be like, yeah, that was great. So it's been really helpful to be able to see both sides of the story. Yeah. And like you said, bridge it together. I think that's the beauty of it. And when I heard that you were doing this computer science masters, I was like super happy. It's like this frustration where like as a medic, you know what you want, but you can't go and do it. And the fact that there are now a lot of medical students, a lot of doctors kind of going down this path of doing tech and kind of bridging that gap, I think it will improve the healthcare system a lot moving into the future. Not only, you know, in terms of patient safety, but it's the fact that we're such a resource limited environment now, mm -hmm. it does make sense to have medics kind of lead in the front in terms of tech. Especially for the healthcare system. So one problem we currently have, I think, is a lot of things that have been designed is by people who aren't medics, so they don't understand the opposite side of the coin. Um, I think similar to the Canadian system, they've got all of their cabinet is basically doctors for doctors and all of that jazz basically. So I think it helps if our systems are all designed by leaders like yourself. Mm. So medics, medics who understand both sides of the coin, um, which is great. You mentioned in the beginning, you set up um, an emerging health program or leadership tell us a bit uh, more about that um, um so yeah this is a program called emerging women leaders mm. um and basically i'm working with the directors of the medical school mm -hmm. um and the ex-president of the royal college of physicians Sweet. and what's really cool about this is that 
you know, we've recognized the fact that there are few women in leadership positions in medicine. Mm. You know, it's women, number of women consultants, number of women surgeons. It's not the same like, as men. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, mm-hmm. there is gender inequality yeah. um, at the top. So this uh, program is a six week workshop aimed at kind of registrar levels, mm. um, ST3 and above. So that's- Okay, so it's quite senior doctors, or middle grade yeah. doctors rather. Mm. Yeah, mm. exactly. Mm. Um, women um, to kind of increase their network and kind mm. of support them and push them into applying for these roles. Okay. Um, so I think that's really fantastic. And I think similar things actually need to yeah. happen at a lower level, even at, during medical school. Fine. And it's all about building that network. Mm. and. I think when you're a student, you don't really un- appreciate the value of having a strong network until true. later on. Yeah. Until, you know, everyone's dispersed and you never see your friends. Yeah. I think mm. that's true. I think once you're at uni, you have this massive, or you're in a bubble, rather, you know, where you have a really big social network, loads of free time. And then as soon as you graduate, as soon as you start working, all of a sudden it all shrinks. With your on-call rotors, you know, you don't get to see the people you saw every single day. Um, and this importance of networking and kind of, the bridges and partnerships you can form isn't stressed enough at a medical school level. Whereas I'm sure if you were to do law, if you were to do banking, it's all, you know, your network is your net worth and it's kind of drums into them. Whereas I feel medical school makes you a very good doctor, but it doesn't teach you the other things such as strategy, thinking, Mm. leadership. Yeah. The really good value of a network I've personally find is that I think medicine drums this into you that it makes you a real individual. You're trained as an individual to compete against every single person around you for rank for positions for what have you and then you hit the real world and you realize that if you have big projects like what you've described or what me and Abdul have been involved in you realize you need skill assets in various different fields and you realize a team is better than just one individual trying to do everything themselves Um, and that's one of the main important benefits and positives of having a good network is that and I think our viewers um, have to really jot this point down network 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 um, don't know if you've heard your network is your net worth yeah I genuinely believe that um, and sometimes you can see the fruits of that um, so how much would you value your network at <laughs> my network you're the most net worth in my network it doesn't make sense I better be the most valuable. So we've kind of talked about all the core bits in tech and medicine and all the fun and all the exciting projects you've worked on. Um, the thing that kind of inspires me and about yourself and kind of I'm in awe is that you kind of stand up, you're breaking taboos, even some of the work we've done with charities. Um, I imagine everything hasn't been that great or sweet, especially as stereotypically tech engineering has been a male dominated world have you faced any struggles or difficulties you know entering this new world um and if it's something that you'd like to share i'm sure a lot of our listeners would appreciate it yeah so like you said you're right mainly it's male heavy Mm. um and being a woman in this industry comes with its challenges sometimes i think um, generally, I've found that people are very welcoming, people are very mm-hmm. nice um, in tech. But sometimes I have noticed, particularly uh, maybe kind of one-on-one meetings where I'm in a, uh, in a room with um, other men and there aren't many females there, sometimes mm. I feel like my voice can be lost. Mm. And you almost don't carry as much credibility as your male counterparts. Mm. Even though you, know, you might be equally qualified, yep. you don't get that 
mm-hmm. almost attention when you're speaking and I I can feel sometimes my points aren't taken as heavily. Mm. Um, so how do you feel in those situations? Because it's a bit crap. Yeah, it's frustrating. And you might have something valuable to say. Yeah. And it might be the one thing that does kind of solve the issue or whatever it may be you discuss. How do you feel? Yeah, no, I mean, 100% is frustrating. Mm. And what I've learned actually is that the way you speak and the way you portray yourself mm. is really, really important. Mm-hmm. And you have to speak with confidence. And actually, what men are very good at. <laughs> <laughs> I promise this isn't a lecture. <laughs> um, hey, viewers, listen up. <laughs> Um, what men are very good at, and there's actually kind of research um, mm. underpinning this, is that men are more likely to go for positions that they're um, underqualified for. Okay. Right. So they'll go for stuff knowing that, okay, I'm not really you know, supposed to be doing this, but let me try anyway. The mm. fake it till you make it. Yeah, me- men are very good at that. But women yeah. will kind of, if they're, um, they'll go for things that they're overqualified, overqualified for. Okay. okay. So they won't go for things that, you know, they don't have the skill set to do mm. because they don't, they don't want to fake it basically mm, and yeah. there's this thing called imposter syndrome okay mm, which absolutely. is very 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 common and mm. i think it affects everybody mm. but from my experience it affects women very strongly mm, um and i think that can affect people and especially in these roles mm. um so yeah it's frustrating but i think women have to find their confidence mm. and women have to support each other mm. and that's why i set up tech muslimers because i think especially for Muslim women in tech, mm. and there is a community of Muslim women in tech, yeah. how, you need to support each other. How has the response been um, like that so far? I saw that you kind of put in the post out and I was like, this is cool. Like, what has the response been? Have you seen people engaging or is it like a, a, a battle you can't win? What's What's it been like? People have been so engaged Good. and um, I've been talking about mm. the idea and they've been mm. like, this is amazing, you know, this mm. is so needed. Mm. And that to me is fantastic because like I said it's, it's network right it's about yeah. building that network and mm-hmm. also supporting each other yeah. and I think something like this does both yeah um, it's a safe space you can talk about the problems you faced and I'm sure other people would have faced it mm-hmm. and when people are together in a room or you know mm. have kind of a wealth of experience to tap into you can yeah. discuss those things and find solutions yeah one, one thing that I I love what you what you're doing is the fact that you're we're shifting away from this world of it being a dog-eat-dog world I've always hated that concept and I think you creating a platform where all these people can come together in a safe space and build whatever they like. I think that's absolutely brilliant. I think that's something for our viewers um, to look out for and we'll also link um, link it in the description of how they can get into contact with that. Yes. It ties into with Scrubbed In as well. Scrubbed In is all about, it's not just about medicine or what people are doing, it's about bringing a community together to show that we can do anything basically um, anything with a few laughs I guess yeah. so yeah there's actually room for everybody at the top yeah. I don't believe this hierarchical structure I think that's the right quote that there's room <laughs> for everyone at the top and that's no, so genuinely, true and that's so true you will get further if you're helping other mm. people and people you know who try to get to the top by climbing on other people mm. that is like my worst yeah, idea I despise that I agree um, so you saying all of that you sound like you've been inspired by someone <laughs> who, what, what sort of people are they? Who is your role, role model, and what people? Who, who really inspires you? Yeah, that's so. That's a bit of a deep question, I guess. Mm. Um, and my answer is very simple, and it's my mum. Mm. She's um, so she was born in Birmingham, mm-hmm. and so she was, I guess, I think first generation. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah. Um, so she had to face lots and lots of battles when she was growing up, mm-hmm. and. I feel like she fought a lot of those battles for me. 
So the kind of stereotype Bengali girl of you know not speaking up, mm, even going yeah. to university was a bit of a mm-hmm. bit of a battle for her. Um, okay. she, she did get married young, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. and you know, it, fortunately it didn't work out. So mm-hmm. she was dealing mm-hmm. with stigma mm-hmm. from mm-hmm. from that, um, and she really really had it tough. And now I feel like she's given me such an incredible platform to literally do whatever I like. Mm. Um, she was never allowed to travel, but I she okay. pushes me to see the world, and I mm. have I've, yeah. I've gone traveling by myself um, around the world. And I feel almost it's my duty to to help as many other women as I possibly can because yeah, my yeah. mum did that for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, she's my inspiration. She sounds amazing. She sounds amazing. Yeah, and it's the fact that especially. You know, she kind of made the sacrifices for you to kind of go and achieve, and it's a shame to kind of waste all that potential, especially when you you know you can do so much more. Um, and it's nice, and it's touching to hear that you do find inspiration in your mother. Um, and I hope when she does hear this, she'll be proud. And I'm sure she's yeah. super proud of you anyway, because you've done such amazing things um, since coming to med school. Um, what qualities would you say are important, or that you found that has helped you? kind of progress, do well through med school, you know, have a really awesome network, get involved in all these startups and projects. So if you were to list three qualities, because, you yeah. know, there's loads of young mm. girls and I want them to kind of be inspired. Um, yeah, I think one of my, I guess, key things is consistency. Mm. And um, yeah, being consistent with everything that you want to do. So if you have a goal, you need to be aware of that it's not going to come instantaneously. Mm. And that's kind of where I'm at now. So. Previously, um, I was doing lots of projects and I was really rushing in, trying to mm. do as much as I could with not really the experience, but there is value of taking things slowly. Yep. We're in a world where everything is rush, 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 you know, yeah. instantaneous, everything's at your fingertips. But some things come with time and consistency. So that's rule number one. Um, number two, I think is, I guess, more like a practical piece of advice is just being organized with your time. Um, and having a good productivity system. I think that's something that really, really helped me. Mm. Um, so basically our brains are so infallible. I, mm. I will you know, hear something or read something or I have a task to do and I will instantly forget it yeah. unless I write it down. So I use something called Todoist and I mm. put it in my phone, put it on my laptop um, and there we go, it's out of my head and I can categorize it into all my different projects and then mm. I'll get a notification when it's due. Mm. And that helped me really throughout uh, fifth year to keep on top of all my work, my projects, and it's helping now. Um, And the final thing is just pure determination and persistence. Mm. Um, Don't let anyone hold you back. And if you want to do something, you just have to trust yourself and believe that you will do it. And that's all it takes. Um, Ultimately, we've only got ourselves in this world, right? Mm, (laughs) Um, So you've got to find that motivation from within yourself. Um, and don't worry if you haven't got it yet. These things take time. Like for me, when I was 15 years old, I got my first job in mm. Primark. I think you used to work yeah, in Primark yeah, as yeah, well, right? Prim- <laughs> I didn't last very long then, but it is what it is. <laughs> I didn't either. But yeah, at that How age... How long did you last? Like <laughs> four, four months. I'm telling you, we weren't designed. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> Wait, wait, I'm just going to interrupt you. She said four months. You did last four shifts. <laughs> four shifts? I did four shifts. and I was Less so than that. No, I you did like one or two. and then Yo, you relax, man. I did four. So I was so furious with the back pain that I had and the, like, 
honestly i just need to be intellectually like just buzzing away so the idea of putting a, a bag on a rack and going around and someone messing it up again and having to shout at women because they were changing and getting naked in a in a in a lift for what? example and i'm there like can you please stop doing that we have children on this floor oh my god um so i literally went to hr and i and i just shouted like i'm leaving work i'm sick of how you treat me forget the pay it's only 7 pound 10 realize that's a lot of money now <laughs> considering what we are now you know yeah 4 pound 68 yeah. is that legal that's a bit illegal burning and rates what's it burning up this is an episode okay yeah. all right i don't know i don't we, know it's we, a different world <laughs> okay we need to investigate that i, I love how we're talking as if you know this was 20 years ago <laughs> yeah, exactly <laughs> you're still um but that's um, good um but saying that i do think it is important to try get a job when you're young mm. i think you learn a lot of skills you learn how to kind of manage finance and have some responsibilities and i think it's quite good in the asian community or the ethnic minorities where they do maybe the circumstances different maybe you need to get a job to kind of support your family yeah absolutely but i think it did teach me and i'm sure it did with you guys that responsibility and you learn i think whatever you do in life it doesn't you know there's no harm in working in primark there's no nothing bad working with so you learn different skills and you learn things that you'll carry for the rest of your life no, for me um, the the reason why i joined primark is mm. because i used to go into shops and i was so anxious and nervous all the time yeah. i was too too scared to ask the retail assistants okay. for like help okay like, so you the, became one so i became one <laughs> she would, wait so you <laughs> I was like i want what is, is it is it really that scary like yeah. am i is that person that scary let me try being them <laughs> oh my was god like, so you took it too far <laughs> yeah no i was i was just so anxious and yeah. my point about the you know, confidence grows i was so quiet i would have never thought you were someone that was anxious and yeah Seriously? like the idea of public speaking would have been like ah, <laughs> wow <no." laughs> okay. but that was the i guess turning point because then i realized yeah. hey talking to people isn't that scary yeah. okay and then i got a job at wh smith and i was like okay. oh okay Ooh. i can do this yeah. and i was like medicine oh, oh, wow. <laughs> you, you know what one thing i've and it's something that i advise to all my my siblings my cousins and everyone um and i advise everyone and everyone at school especially is go out there and get yourself into positions where you learn how to just build a rapport a connection with anyone that you sit with i find that people who can't bond with someone over a single meeting they have a very difficult journey in whatever field they're in and if you can bond with someone and learn of them and it's such a great skill to have and i always advise that. and i think primark and places like that, they actually do teach you a lot of that how to just bond Um so yeah Primark's going to have so many applications this weekend. Primark's going to yeah. Can you imagine? <laughs> you like to sponsor us here here as up. Um but that's good. I know we're we're conscious of time with drag Yasmin away from her very mm. busy Not schedule. Um just a few more questions because I'd imagine a lot of our viewers or listeners will find it super interesting. Um what are your future plans? So what do you want to do? What is the end goal what do you want to have achieved or what is on the horizon for you yeah so i get asked this a lot and i'm sat there racking my brains <laughs> because honestly right now it's so unknown and i think that is actually the most exciting thing because 3 years ago i would never have predicted mm. that i'd be doing a masters i'd be having the opportunities that i have now working mm. with different companies yeah. learning from them um and that's why i'm thinking i just want to make sure i have impact across the world that's my ultimate g- goal yeah. to improve healthcare and reach millions of people that's that's the big goal mm. um and i think right now the best way to be able to have that reach is through 
technology and, and right. the digital yeah. digital transformation is going to affect every single country. Yeah. But that's the ultimate goal. I guess the pathway I can't visualise right yeah. now, but I think I'm going to figure out as I go along. But I think it's quite noble. At least you know where you're heading. You do have an end goal. Um, and I'm just glad I was praying, please don't say something like I want to be super rich or something like that. Like There's, <laughs> there's no harm in being super rich. But I do kind of gain inspiration and motivation from people that, you know, they want to help others, they're selfless, mm. and they would truly do want to have an impact, have a legacy um, and something. And kind of going back into the point that, you know, the struggles your mother made for you to kind of do what you're doing, I think is important. And it's kind of, in a way, you can honour that and kind of inspire lots of people out there. And our final question is, what advice would you give to all our young listeners, particularly the, you know, the female listeners who, you know, probably come from single-hold household, they may come from a household where no one's educated, which is kind of the norm for us. What advice would you give to them? Let me, let me add a little bit of context to how important this is now, okay? So I go to schools a lot and I give a few talks here and there, and a hand went up. This was only a couple of months ago, and um, it was a girl, and she asked, the school constantly always brings in men, doctors, lawyers, engineers, coders, a lot of men. And she asked, where are the women? And I think it's great that we have you as our first guest on season two. You're ambitious, you're inspiring, you're doing loads of things to support everyone that's out there, including our viewers. And I think now it's your time where in this very moment, whatever you say now, I'm gonna tell them when I walk in next. (laughs) (laughs) No pressure. No pressure. Wow. I think one piece of advice is to not be phased by anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. As a young child, a young child, young uh, adult, teenager, you look to the adults and you think they know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Trust me, nobody knows what they're doing. <laughs> Honestly. That's so true. <laughs> no one knows. So and, and then you get to an adult and you're like, wait, when, when is a penny going to drop? When am I going <laughs> to figure it out? But everyone is just figuring it out. And I think the... The earlier that you grasp onto that concept, the better, and you're already winning. You can just hit the ground and run run with it. So find your passion. There's a lot of hype around startup and tech right now. If you're not interested in that, don't force it. Find something that you're passionate about. Find something that you want to do, um, and hopefully it's something that will benefit others, and then, and then run with it. And for the girls out there, do not be afraid to speak up. I think it's a absolute tragedy when all the girls voices get silenced because we have so much to say we have so much value to add so don't wait for validation from other people don't wait for validation from men if you have something on your mind speak up and share it and that's you know and that's why all the the women my generation need to also speak up and actually share their experiences to the younger generation as well but i think it's a a good time to wrap up um I just want to thank you immensely for kind of taking the time out to come and speak to us. Um, it's always kind of nice to see you in a different light. Um, and I think we can. there's a lot to learn from you. You know, there's none of this senior, junior, you know. Um, I'm continuously inspired by you, all the stuff you're doing. Um, I want to wish you the best for the future. Um, and once again, thank you for coming in. Thank and you thank so you. much. Yeah, honestly, thank, thank you, thank you, you so me. much for your time. It's been absolutely amazing to, um, yeah. to start off your season, which yeah. I'm sure will just, you know, um, inspire everybody. Yeah, so, that's so um, it's good. If anyone wants to get in touch with you, we can kind of yeah, give the details, details. Um, all the different my projects Twitter. and all these yeah. emerging leaders. I think it will be good. And it's, it's a source of motivation. Yeah.
but yeah thank you thank you to our listeners once again and we'll have a, a just an awesome and inspiring guest next week um, and until then enjoy the rest of your week guys take care